0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Mind Soulful Show, where mindfulness meets heart and soul. We're chatting all things soulful or spirit-led, mindfulness, mindset, and manifestation. Today, you're in for a treat because we're talking all about manifesting healthy and romantic relationship with the relationship attraction expert, Barry Selby, who's affectionately known as the Love Doctor. We had such a great conversation. We talked about how in fact you do manifest that romantic relationship that's healthy and conscious and really good for you, both for you as well as your partner. We dived into the divine masculine and divine feminine and what that really looks like in today's atmosphere of swipe left and swipe right for online dating. We talked about all of these things and so much more. Stay tuned for this amazing episode. Welcome to the Mind Soulful Show where mindfulness meets your heart and soul. I'm your host, Brooke Sidney. I'm an abundance accelerator, Mind Soulful Mentor and an inner voice and soul story coach this show dives deep into soulful mindfulness mindset and manifestation it will help you manifest more inner and outer abundance in the form of greater self-love hearing your inner voice as well as more presence freedom ease and greater self-confidence and you being you so if you're looking to learn more about the high vibe tools of mindfulness mindset and manifestation to love the life you are presently living you are tuned in to the right show. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Mind Soulful Show, where mindfulness meets heart and soul. We talk all things soulful, mindfulness, mindset, and manifestation. I'm so excited because today I have an attraction relationship expert that not only knows all of this stuff, has books for you, but he's also a friend. His name is Barry Selby. He's a passionate champion for the Divine Feminine, helping strong, successful women create balance in love, life, and business. He is on a mission to awaken women to own and express their feminine magnificence and majesty in love and in the world. He helps his clients attract relationships that equal who they really are. As a relationship attraction expert, Barry is affectionately known as the Love Doctor, to his friends and clients. With over 30 years of training and experience, including a master's degree in spiritual psychology and 18 years as a spiritual counselor, he has helped thousands learn to love themselves and live in wholeness. His number one best-selling book, 50 Ways to Love Your Lover, helps singles and couples embody powerful principles for passionate and richly rewarding relationships. He brings deep compassion, gentle, masculine presence, and wise guidance to assist his clients in the journey to true love. Thank you so much, Barry, for coming on to today's episode. Um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about yourself, anything that maybe the bio missed.
1: Uh, Wow. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. So good to see you again and nice to be in this conversation. Um, I think... I think I'll say probably just in terms of what you'd already said about me, because I did write it, so I do have some bias. <laughs> 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 is that this passion about supporting women in the feminists, because I've seen how much things have changed apparently in our culture the last three or four years. I mean it's way beyond that, but the last three or four years have accentuated the shift where there's been such a for me a disrespect for women mm. that I feel like I need to stand up and say, Whoa, 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 enough, we need to talk different conversations. So that's kind of what drives my work. It's not like I'm going to be the one man standing up with a big sign saying "respect women," but it's kind of what I do. So it's in my message.
0: I love that. So how did you get started on this path? <laughs> I mean, how did you, how did you end up as a love doctor?
1: Well, officially, it was a very. It wasn't the very. It wasn't a planned path, to put it that way. You know, I can look back and see in my. Teenage years, being, being, I was basically, I was bullied at high school. So the, so I got beaten up by the other boys. And the only place I was safe was with the girls because they didn't beat me up. <laughs> but what happened was I became like the one safe guy because, because I was this puny little guy. The girls didn't want to date me, but they wanted to confide in me. So I became the shoulder they cried on from my teenage years. I didn't think about it until many years later that I was already being the counselor without realizing it. And then through my adult life, I've always been around a lot of women I, I've been as, as you said you know 30 years in this work I've been on the personal growth journey for since the mid-80s and the thing about the, the big secret about the personal growth industry is the predominant audience in the personal growth industry is women right. Right. right every seminar I was in there were more women than men which is like this is amazing you know it's like wow this is so cool but what I realized more and more is that because those those seminars were very much about respect and integrity it wasn't a dating pool but it was a place where I got to learn and love and respect a lot of women so it's always been my sort of MO, so to speak, to be friends with women, to have women who are friends of mine that trust me, I'm safe with them, they're safe with me. So it was always in my, my way of being. And then the pivot point was back in 2007, I was, I um, can say this. Well, basically I was so fed up with my dating history that I was in the same recycled pattern. that I was not, as much as I was about respecting women, I wasn't being a masculine man around women. I didn't know this back then. I was just simply being a nice guy okay. because that was my safety. And also women didn't threaten, feel threatened by that. But of course dating, that didn't work. So 2007, I thankfully got led to this work, um, which is the masculine feminine polarity, which was a, a total um, game changer and paradigm shift for me to understand and realize, oh, I understand now because to me, to be a man, that was a strong man, was a macho man, which is what I, I really did want to be because that's the, the bane of women's existence most of the time. But a masculine man, a man who's heart and spine centric versus head centric was a big shift for me. And it showed me where I could be authentic in my male energy, strong in leadership, but also in absolute worship and support of the feminine. And when I saw women in their feminine, in a group for the first time that way, I was almost on the floor in worship. I just saw the feminine essence in such a powerful expression I had no choice but to be grateful and respectful of it.
0: Okay. So already you're touching <laughs> on the divine feminine and the masculine men and this polarity. Cause we I think a lot of people that are on this path to have healthier romantic relationships and partnerships. We're we've heard about, you know, the feminine energy in a relationship and a and a masculine energy in a relationship. Talk a little bit more about that and then why have you tagged divine on it? Like what what makes this? Uh, you know.
1: <laughs> well, the, we, have, we have some interesting um, perspectives and, and perceptions in our Western culture. One is that feminine is very close to feminist, and there's a lot of um, challenge around the word feminist, because there was a certain um, hijacking of the term feminist to be very angry and upset and against men. Whereas the feminine, the true feminine, which I call the divine feminine, is really embracing the fullness of what the feminine energy is—women in their fullness and expression, in their joy, in their juiciness—in a way, but also it meant that the feminine and masculine come together in a very—I um, won't say symbiotic, but a very fluid dance, like the yin and the yang symbol. ways that that fits together because we carry both inside of ourselves. It's not like women are feminine, men are masculine. We carry both, but we tend, as innate beings, to um, reside at one end of the spectrum or the other, more generally. So men generally speaking, again, generalities, are mortals the masculine end of the spectrum. Women are mortals the feminine end. And the way that fits together, I use, I use the magnet analogy because I was taught this in the trainings, was that magnets opposite poles, north and south, are very attractive to each other. But north and north aren't attractive, and south and south aren't attractive. And so when it's a masculine energy woman and a masculine energy man, they, they may have a lot of fire energy, but they're not going to be attracted ultimately because they're both in the same energetic. So women in the feminine, men in the masculine, and occasionally when a woman's in a masculine, the man's in his feminine, that can work as well. Which is if it's naturally or innate beingness.
0: Right, right. So
1: it's not always men masculine, women. So, so that much.
0: reminds me of some of the conversations about um, you know a lot of women, especially in the workforce, successful women are off, are being almost trained to operate in the masculine and have found yes. success in the masculine and may be carrying, is that true? Carrying that energy into relationships so that may, so they're butting up against a masculine man.
1: That is pretty much the exact reason why women have had some challenges in relationship who are entrepreneurs who are business women, because the world, as I said a long time ago, you know, the business world was created by men for men and women have been trying to fit in ever since. Mm. And so women have had to put on the male energy and this is, you know, going back to the, the feminist movement and the sexual revolution in the 60s. You I remember being grumpy in England. For me, the, the epitome of that sexual revolution was Twiggy. Twiggy was the English model back in the late 60s, early 70s, who was flat-chested, skinny model, but she put on these broad-shouldered jackets, like men's jackets, with short-cropped hair and barely any makeup. So she was basically emulating maleness in a, fem, in a woman's body. Wow, okay. But women copied that and went to work. And so a large portion of the 70s and 80s for women was getting freedom through being like men because before that, most of the time back in the fifties and before women didn't actually go out to work. They didn't have bank accounts. They didn't have independence. This is really a change.
0: Right. Right. It's true. It's changed the entire family structure. Like
1: exactly. Absolutely.
0: Wow. Um, so what about the idea? I mean, we're going to have to come back to that, especially as we think (laughs) about how how to, you know, get everybody on the same page and really what women can do to get past that. But another thing that I kind of hear coupled with this divine feminine and masculine is also this receiving energy and the giving, is it receiver energy and giver energy? Or is that a part of it? Like in being, especially being feminine, being able to be more in a receiving mode, how does that kind of tie into this?
1: gonna um, say this way. So, so simply put, the, the, the pushing energy, the achieving energy is masculine. The receiving energy and the inclusive energy is feminine. So when you're giving and receiving energetically, it's really from the masculine energy to the feminine energy. But again, that's energetic, not, not uh, gender-based. Okay. So in relationship, it is about give and, give and receive, but it's not one way only. It's more one way than the other. So as one of my, one of my teachers talks about how if someone's on stage, man or woman, When they're speaking to an audience, their masculine energy is penetrating the receptiveness of the feminine, of the femininity in the audience. So it doesn't matter who's in the audience or who's on stage, the energy from stage to the audience is pushing. So whether it's a musician or a speaker, what they're doing is projecting their energy, their information, their teaching into the audience energy. So it's kind of masculine to feminine. So that's, that's an example of how that polarity works.
0: So it's, so that, the receiving and the pushing energy is at play all the time, um, regardless mm-hmm. of whether in a relationship you're the woman operating in the feminine. Like, can you actually be the giver as well as the receiver? I think because it feels I think for some women it's a it's hard to understand how to quote unquote be in the feminine be receptive, but also have a voice in the way that, you know, maybe the relationship goes or the agreements that are being made, like not just being led.
1: Right. Well, the thing is the thing about being the feminine, it's not about being passive.
0: See, and I think, I think that is, I think that actually needs to be talked about more.
1: Right. So the thing is receptivity is not a passive energetic. Mm. The thing about passivity is it's kind of like whatever happens, happens receiving is specific because you're receiving intentionally what you want to receive, you know, in the law of attraction teachings, it's about being open to receive what you're really intending for. But if you're open to receive everything or anything, there's no filter. There's no, there's no choice. That's almost passive. And passive is basically non-participatory. See receiving is participating same as giving is really participatory. But giving receiving, you cannot give if there's no receiving, you can't receive. If there's no giving. It has to work together. Okay. You know, in fact, I mean, way back when the summer took, talk, they talked about how there's a cycle of abundance, which is part of the abundance is giving and receiving continually, mm-hmm. no matter which gender you're in, because you get to enjoy both.
0: Okay. So let's go at it from another angle. Sure. So as, as, <laughs> let's, let's talk about them in isolation. So a woman, mm-hmm. let's just say a woman or whoever is in this relationship that decides to be more in the divine feminine predominantly. Right energy what does that look like in a relationship for that woman or that person choosing that energetic
1: for a lot of women and it, it is in this context the feminine and, and i want to say sorry i was just catching a word you want to you said decide um most feminine people are not so much deciding about it but it's the innate in who they are so i wouldn't say it's a deciding thing it's more of a beingness that's one thing but but the feminine energy is more of a um so the feminine energy in the traditional values is like homemaker. It's the one that creates a nesting energy. It's the receiving and it's the embracing energy. The it's like when you talk about men and women and what really works beautifully is for what a really a, what a man really wants in his heart from a woman is to be received, is to be almost caught and 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 taken care of in a way, but not like take care of every need. Not dump, you know doing hands and knees scrubbing the floors. I mean energetically a safe place that he can feel okay to just release. So that's kind of the, that's kind of a way that the family can be. It's also, and this is one thing that's changing. It's, it, it's a voice of power because women haven't been doing so as much as until now. It's been place of power because the feminine energy is one about collaboration and collective energy. The biggest thing that scares men, thankfully with women to get together, <laughs> you know, when, when there was the, was it, was it the, um, the, the pink pussy protest that was going on after the election. Right. That was one of the most, that was one of the biggest expressions of women saying enough. And it was, I was, I mean, most of the men who get it were cheering. Cause it was like, yes, please. It's women in their power, but it scares the old structure because the old structure doesn't know how to de- deal with that much feminine energy. So the feminine energy in, in mass together is a huge powerful force, which frankly we need. So
0: now that's, re- that's really good. Um... But now let's switch it over to the men's side. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that when a lot of men here being masculine men, I think that comes with a lot of um, perhaps misconceptions or maybe you know, maybe it's just seeking a little bit of clarity. But I think a lot of people think it means this um, almost ma- like bravado, hyper-masculine, yeah. almost narcissistic in a sense like my way, I'm the leader of the household. Um, right.
1: That so, <laughs> so let me break <laughs> this one apart. This is, this is one of my pet peeves. <laughs> because a lot of people, for me, conflate masculine with macho. And I talk about macho as being that egotistical, me first, my way, the highway, energetic. That was what ran the world for many years. The masculine energy, though, is purpose driven. It's not ego driven, it's a little different mm-hmm. energetic. Mm-hmm. So a man is living his masculine, is really about serving a greater good beyond himself. And men who do that are very visible. When you see them, you know that. But a lot of men who are going, look at me, look at me. It does look narcissistic because it's egocentric. But the true definition of a narcissist, though, is actually I call them an energy vampire. They're a thief. They take right. energy from others. Right. The macho energy is I'm doing my way and screw you. That's not taking energy. That's just dominating energy. So it looks similar, but it's different. So for me, the macho energy that has been out there for many years, which women have had to copy because the business world was driven by macho energy. If you saw like Wall Street or you saw... Um, Uh, the Wolf of Wall Street as well. Both those movies showed men being very macho, very driven to get things done and to basically at the cost of others. The masculine energy doesn't cost anything. They may sacrifice themselves for a greater good, but they don't cost anybody else. It's different energetic. And the masculine energy is one that is about making a difference in a positive way.
0: Okay. So for... um... This is an interesting question but for um a lot of my I would say Christian women listeners um mm-hmm. that that have had the bible interpreted to them as especially as it relates to female and um, male roles in a relationship and a and a in a household right yes men is the leader, he is the head of the household and it's almost as if, and this is not across the board, but it is a predominant, um, kind of belief. Mm -hmm. Um, It's almost as if he gets the last stamp, like, right. Like he is ultimately the, you know, supposed to lead the household spiritually, financially, like make all, ultimately all the decisions a lot of times. And I think that, um, I think there's a lot of women that, that hear this masculine men thing and they combine the two. Um, And so I'm just wondering what clarity or what have you seen, even maybe with clients that have struggled with kind of finding a partner or seeing a man that is in his fully in his masculinity without being, I guess, I think feeling, it's almost like a yielding of all your power in your voice.
1: Right. So, Oh boy. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) Oh, So my question to you is, before I start with this, is it okay to be sacrilegious or to tear things, tear down some structures?
0: I think you should speak your truth. I think okay. that, that that's the only way that we can actually <laughs> have a conversation about anything, right. you know, and there's definitely different models. Like there's complementarianism, even within Christianity, there's other models, but head right. you know, of household, I think most people know of it as predominantly a Christian viewpoint, worldview, Yes. A lot of women are, especially women that are successful in the workplace, because, and it, it's, it's really, it's really interesting how complicated it gets, because, you know, most men are now expecting women to work. It's not like, stay home, raise.
1: <laughs> well, it, it, it depends where, it depends where in the country you live. That's part, true. Still in the have the South, in the
0: middle, yeah, in the middle of the country, there's more of that. But, yeah. but a lot of what we're seeing now is this dual expectation of the woman to be, um to fall back at home, yet go out in the work first, make all the money, and then the man gets yep. to decide where it's spent because he's head of household or he's the leader of the home and
1: and, and I'm I <laughs> okay, first of all let me just say this. I was born and raised Jewish, so I didn't come from a different background. So I don't have the Christian value system as embedded in my DNA. Which may be a good maybe be freedom or it may be like I didn't learn the lesson that way. However, um, the the uh, <laughs> the Bible is is, it bugs me in a way because the thing is what I know of history, what I've done by research and studying is first of all, the Bible was not written by God, by God or by Jesus. The Bible was written after Jesus had died about 300 years later. So first of all, it was a word of mouth document an oral history before it got to that point. So first of all, the Bible has to be written as as a a metaphorical discovery or a, um, it's not, it's not factual. It's not like a documentary. It's not a documentary. The Bible has some room for logic. First we'll be aware of that. Secondly, um, the book was written by male scholars and by male leaders of the Christian faith at that point. So the Bible was written through their lens. So right. whether or not they're doing it as an intentional thing, but they, they spoke from and back then in that culture, men were the leaders of the families and the tribes and the cultures. So they wrote it through their lens of we run the show. Everybody else, women and children come after us. So that perspective tinted and, and flavored everything they wrote in the Bible. So to use the Bible as a way of living life 2000 years later, you may want to look at it with some deference because it doesn't have within it for me relevant things regarding how society and, and life could be. Now for personal life, maybe it could be the best thing to use as your way of finding good right from wrong and good from bad. That's fine. But when you look at it as design, designing relationships, I think the Bible's a little bit out of date for most people's current relationship status because yes, as you said, women are definitely out in the workforce, living their lives, becoming successful. Because again, as of the last 50, 60 years, that's changed completely. Right, right. Unfortunately, family dynamics and the court systems for divorces, I know, but also the way that relationships happen in families and cultures hasn't caught up with it yet, the way it needs to. You know, the elevation of the parents in a relationship and it's funny because I think gay relationships are probably more advanced in that sense than straight relationships because in gay relationships, it's the same gender, which means culturally they looked at the same. The problem is in straight relationships, in marriages and in families, the man and women looked at differently by society because of the old paradigm still being imprinted on them. And it's not the truth.
0: That's very true. That's very
1: true. So I think it needs to change. We have, we definitely got a ways to go.
0: So let's, let's, let's flip it over to the attraction. <laughs> The attraction it's, manifesting
1: yes. side of it.
0: Yes. First of all, how do we attract a healthy romantic relationship? Like how is it, is it, cause I mean, I teach manifestation principles. I have my own ideas, but right. you're the love doctor. You're the attraction <laughs> of love, you know, king. So I want to know, and I know, I know listeners are excited to hear about how do you actually attract a healthy romantic relationship
1: okay so just qualifying who do you mean by we do you mean women in general or all people because you said we all the time so I'm just... <laughs> that's
0: true. that's a good i i mean i think i don't know is it different for women as it is for men i mean i think a lot of the attraction principles or manifestation principles that i teach they work for each gender right,
1: right? there are certain things that are key to both yes absolutely but there's more attraction energy for the feminine because the feminine is an attractive That's force what we
0: need to know we need as right
1: we need to know. <laughs> and since she's
0: mostly to women in terms of yeah. those are mostly your clients yes. um then you can definitely let us know from that point of view and the men that are listening in i hope they're taking notes you
1: know <laughs> yeah i'll get i'll, I'll drop I'll, I'll put something in the back end about how men and women haven't interacted for a long time that needs to shift because of the dating apps and everything else but in terms of Yes. For women, the focus, as I said, is women are strong. The power women have is to attract in because they're receiving energy, bringing in what they want. Again, not um, not, not stagnant and not static, but actually active and participatory in r- receiving. But the thing is, because I said before, women, anybody, if you're receiving, you want to be clear what you want. Otherwise, you receive everything and it's just no use. So it isn't, it isn't static that way. So the focus, as you said, with the manifestation, is you've got to be clear about what you want. Right. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I create. I, I end up creating a program called Attract the Man You Want, which is an eight-module program that steps out the steps to do that. But it includes getting clear on your vision, your intention, and what you want to create. But the thing about it that takes a step beyond it, which most people, period, don't do, is how does it feel if you, if you embody what your vision is? How do you? How would it feel mm-hmm. if you take your two-dimensional picture you created, or your journaling, or your affirmations you're using? And put them on as if you're wearing a new, new outfit of clothes and you participate like in virtual reality. You know, How would it feel to be one year down the road in that relationship? How would it feel to be married to that person? When you create the energetic feeling, the energetic right. um, force, it's a polarity that becomes attractive to bring in what you want. So for women especially, having that feeling level is the biggest piece that women don't get to do. Usually it's just like it's in the head because this is a visual reference point or it's a documentation or it's a hearing thing. When you can feel it in your heart and embody it, that changes the energetic and makes it more easy to get what you want.
0: So should women be walking around feeling like almost like, I, I mean, I, I have clients do similar things with, I have one client that she's actually working on that. Like i literally one of her exercises was like to almost imagine this person calling you up and saying, Oh, I love you and having a great day or even, you know, what, just imagining this person there like is that what you're talking about how do you otherwise walk around it without looking schizophrenic like you're talking about, <laughs> you know hi i'm so glad you're here i'm so glad you came home i'm so glad you're gonna have dinner together or you know like
1: right yeah
0: are you sending yourself flowers to give yourself the, that energy <laughs> like how
1: does that the, all feeling? this stuff all this stuff is workable the thing about as i said it's so <laughs> I'm so, I'm so glad for Bluetooth. It's, you know, it's like everyone's talking to themselves. They've got earpiece and you're okay. <laughs> if you can't see the earpiece, you think they're insane. They're talking to themselves. It's like, no, they're actually on the earpiece, you know. But it, the reality is for, for real um, embodiment practices, you don't have to do it out in public. First of all, you can do this at home in your own work. Right. Little things also you can do like creating the space for the relationship. So this is one of my friend, Feng Shui tea people teach me this as well. You're having space in your closet, having, having yes. you know, matching bedside tables. Yes. Having an extra, so you can actually set up an extra space for dinner. I wouldn't waste the food though. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but having that, that capacity to include, because the thing is you want to be visioning how it feels to be in the relationship and then make the space available for them to show up physically. So it's that duality in a way of having the feeling what it's going to feel like and then make the room to attract it in. So there's room for it to come in. Because uh, as I say a long time ago, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. So right. you create the space for that, then it can be filled. Right. So yes, know what you want. It's, it's interesting. One of my teachers way back in the masculine feminine conversation talks about how when women are in their feminine, they're really amazing feminine. They yearn to be taken by a masculine and hearted man who really gets them and loves them, respects them. So may have this place where there's such a deep yearning inside of them. They can be walking around a supermarket, shopping and browsing, and that yearning's in their heart and it's in their eyes. They're not yelling out or saying anything. <laughs> but when they're walking around, they look around and they see men around them and they may connect with a man out there who is not that energy. And the thing is, he may see that woman like wanting and yearning thinking, oh my God, and wants to move towards her. But behind that yearning is a steel blade, like a sword that will cut his energy off in a heartbeat. Because the woman's, the truth is, the feminine is a very fierce, powerful energy. She's a feminine warrior. So she has both that softness needing yearning for masculine, but extremely powerful guardianship. Because when a woman's, when she's a mother with a child, she right. has a fierceness that will know no bounds. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's in her too, We're exactly. Mm-hmm. So, but when she finds a man who is in his truth, she feels his authenticity, his integrity, aligned to his heart, his message, his core. She will yield to that because she trusts him. The biggest thing that women want from men is somebody that they can. And trust. Yeah, that's
0: true, because that's how the way. It's trust and loyalty is shown is through being consistent in your yeah. actions, your behaviors, and, you know, the way that you're spoken to, the way that you're treated, and also how, not just how that person, that man, in, in this case, is treating you, but also how they're treating other people. How they treat the, bus so the boys at
1: the restaurant, how they treat the, 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 the bag, the bag, people load the bags at the rest of the supermarkets. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a, it, the thing about it is that reality is for most men, what we don't realize is women see us all the time so when we forget and we do something stupid out there where we don't maintain that truth and live in authentic nature we'll get caught out so it's better to be real and authentic all the time rather than trying to put on an act because an act will never work women are way too smart for that frankly which is good news
0: Well, it seems like the act is still very prevalent, especially for a certain amount of, you know, I don't know. For some people, it seems like months. Some people can do it even longer. Right. Um, Do you encounter clients that have, I guess, figured out a way to see past the representative quicker, the mask?
1: Well, they come to me because they can't at the time. So when we work together, they get to see it more clearly, yes. Because a lot of times it's because they've been trained to do that because of past experiences. And one of the challenges we we don't talk about in relationships is that our challenge with choosing our next one is very much influenced by the last five, or whatever it is before that we've been in. Okay. Because we as as adult beings carry around a younger self that has been watching the world for the last since we were born. So as an adult being we may say well, I'm clear about one or this, 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 and this, but our younger self has been watching and observing and imprinting that love is expressed through a certain experience it had when it was way younger. And so instead of saying this, this, and this, is going to go, I want that, that, and that, because that's what I know love is expressed by. Even though we know intellectually that love means this trust, integrity, connection, intimacy, all these things, the younger self as a programming may say that love's tied to abuse or love is tied to neglect or tied to something else because we, and this is a, this is the big picture work is as young kids, we don't actually know what love really is until we feel it from other people, which is the big people, like our parents. And so the parents in front of us, without knowing it, are modeling to us how love should be expressed. If there's yelling involved, or if there's silence involved, if there's touch involved, if there's a neglect involved, whatever is expressed in front of us, we go, that's what love means, how it's expressed. And so we believe in our hearts without realizing it. That's what we look for without knowing as an adult. Underneath our, Intentional conscious consciousness, we are actually attracting the same thing to repeat again and again and again.
0: I love that you have beautifully encapsulated all of the inner child work (laughs) that's to be done. I mean, I think that a lot of us are still attracting our fathers, or you know, healthy or not, or whatever, you know, whatever occurred in those relationships like they say zero to seven is like the most powerful time because again children have no filter it's not like right. they, they know what you're saying so how do you how do you turn this around like ah. you, you know <laughs> back to how do you attract this healthy romantic relationship i i know that it off obviously begins within
1: absolutely that's that's the biggest thing most people avoid because they're just going to like no i'll go on dating app and swipe i'll do it that dating way app exactly. so so yeah i don't Well, let me speak from my own experience. Um, Great. I'm thankful in a lot of ways when people, when I tell people about my history as a child, my parents, they go, wow, it's was amazing. Because my parents, you know, I was raised in a very, very stable, very reserved English Jewish back family. My parents were together 60 years till my mother passed away, 59 when, when she died. And the thing was, is that my dating life from my late teens to early 20s was always about three months, give or take i go out with a girl, we get together with a nice connection, be nice and intimate, have a wonderful time. And around three-month mark, I would leave every single time. Now, my parents would be in 60 years, so it wasn't because of that. But what I looked back and realized is that at three-month mark, something would happen where we have an argument. There'd be an argument, upset, a quarrel, difference of opinion, and we would have a separation energetically It this doesn't work. Okay. My wiring, thanks to my upbringing, was that arguments don't fit relationships because my parents never argued. At least not in front of the kids. They hid everything. That's the thing my parents did. They hid all the upset and bad stuff away from the children, so we didn't see it. So we weren't trained to know that arguments are part of a relationship. At least I believe so. Right. So it my like
0: resolution skills. Like, how do you move past this? Sig-
1: I had none. Right. <laughs> so in, so every relationship would end, there'd be an argument, and I think, oh, that's it. There's no love. I'm out. And I quit every single time. Mm. So it took a while to realize that that was going on. When I got a chance through doing some seminars and working with some great coaches, I saw back and saw, okay, What I'm looking at is the lens of my parents' relationship on top of my current relationships. And because they never argued, I can't have an argument and have love together. But I knew from having seen other things in the world, you know, movies, TV, people's relationships, people argue and then they stay together. like, how does that work? So I knew it was possible. So I then started doing some research and then studied with different teachers to learn how that relationships are not, they're imprinted by a parent's model, but they're not living by that. We can change it. The funny thing is, well, not funny, but the funny, strange thing is, is that we have we have this amazing ability in our single life to attract partners where our patterns match their patterns and they come together. So if that's, you were raised in that's abuse,
0: amazing and a little scary at the same time, right? Yes, but this is
1: the but this is the energetic because as I mentioned about that, where the woman's walking around the supermarket, yearning for her masculine counterpart to fit her. We do that all the time without realizing it because if we were raised in a, an upbringing where there was abuse in the family, maybe the father abused the mother or vice versa. So we have imprinted in our consciousness that love and abuse go together. And maybe we think that we, are, we, need to be, we need to be abused to be loved, because that's the wiring some people carry. We will actually attract somebody into us who is an abuser, because otherwise it wouldn't work.
0: Right.
1: It's like that the, patterns, the unconscious patterns of square peg and square hole fit together. What, it's like we couldn't go out and interview people on Tinder and go, do you abuse me? You know, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Thankfully we don't. But the thing is, we will track that energetic without realizing it. And again, if you went on a smartphone app and dated somebody met through a, a dating site or an app, you wouldn't know their patterns and they wouldn't know yours. But the funny thing is the patterns will still match unless you resolve them. So the key thing is you've got to change, rewire, and resolve the patterns. As you said, child, as doing the, the, the childhood ish, uh, resolution, then it can change. But otherwise, you keep repeating it. It doesn't go away on its own.
0: So that kind of answered my next question, which is kind of what do seagulls need to do now? But how is that how are <laughs> able, you know in this in a in a society now where um you know we have a high level of we want everything quick microwave yes. and now we have dating apps where uh, literally it's like swipe you know left if you don't want them i think it is or that person and swipe i right. think
1: yeah i think swipe right for right yes. right
0: And so it's always potentially the next best thing is just waiting around, you know, the corner of the next swipe, you know, you could go and find someone else that's better. So how do we, I think, as people that are out there dating as single people, people that are listening to this and more specifically women, how do you know when it's turning within versus continuing to look for the next best thing?
1: Well, one of the best clues is the same thing with a different person. I mean it sounds as simplistic as it sounds. Yeah, as I said, you look you could look back at your past relationships. I was noticing that I had three or four five relationships in a row where this is my youngest, where there was, you know, the argument ended the relationship. In my up until two thousand seven when I went through this transformation of the masculine and feminine, the last three relationships before that, the women ran the show. I attracted women who were more masculine than I was because I was attracted to the energy of women in their power. They were dysfunctional and so was I. So, there was this reversal of roles, but it wasn't natural. It wasn't organic. It was actually programmed the way we did it. Because I was, I was living more in my feminine, and realizing it. They were living more in the masculine, and realizing it. Still meant the sex was great. The chemistry was great. The connection was great, but it wasn't functional and healthily. Thankfully, the last one, she called me on it because she figured it out. And that was what put me on the path. So, I'm grateful for her for that. So, it's really the inner work. As you said before, it's like we got to do our own work first. If we're single, it's the best time. So actually to take time out. So don't go on the app again and just date and swipe and meet somebody else because you're going to perpetuate the same experience. it will be fun at the beginning, painful at the end. If you want to keep the pain out, let's start with doing the work first. So when you start dating, it stays wonderful the whole way through.
0: I love that. Okay. So how <laughs> I know you've written a book. Talk a little bit yes. about your book. That's one of the ways that you're able to help people. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Sure. Um, my book is. As I was talking to a friend about. It. I was at, a, I was at a, um, a party a few days ago, and I was talking about my book and how it came about because she's writing a book. I said so the thing about my book was it wasn't something I planned. I'm still having a hard time owning the word author in my title, even though it's on my business card, because I'm not a prolific writer. Even though I've written a book, up in, I'm a contributor to another book, and I've got another book brewing. It's out of my control very clearly. <laughs> but this, well, the thing is that the first book. Let's start with that one. Um, I had started by putting out on social media what I believe about relationships because a friend of mine said, if you want to market yourself, just put out wherever you spend your time socially, what you believe about relationships, right? Sort of little statements, declarations, what you believe. So I did that. And I had over a period of a couple of months written 60, 65 different things out there that I believed about relationships. And so I collected them together because social media stuff moves fast, you know, as we know. So I put them basically into a Word document just to save them. So I'll use them for something, a workshop, something, I'll figure it out. And so my mind was just sitting with the question, what do I do with this? And a still small voice, as I call it, a little voice in the back of my head was saying, write a book, whispering, write a book. And I would ignore it for about two weeks because I was like, I'm not an author. I don't write books. I write blog posts once in a while. And so the book, when it finally happened, I was so upset with that voice telling me to write the book. I demanded it to show me how, and it did. So I couldn't avoid it anymore. Because what I realized what I'd done is I'd written the stems. I love how
0: Spirit does that.
1: <laughs> oh, totally. Well, the thing was, is the book had been written. I didn't realize it. Each of those things I'd written was the introduction of every chapter. All I had to do was expand what I'd written and then put them in the right order. So within six weeks, I had the first draft. And what it really is is fifty principles for singles and couples, men and women, to have healthy relationships first with ourselves and then with each other. And it is principles for couples, principles for singles. There's different sections depending where you are, but each one's a very simple and fairly short explanation of what something's about. It talk about codependence. I talk about great sexual polarity, I talk about the rubber band effect in relationships. I talk about different things that are important for you to know if you wanna have a healthy relationship.
0: Wow, so outside of the book, I know that you do coaching. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that, because I know there's gonna be women that are listening to this that are saying, I I, I don't think I can do this by myself. I may not be able to uncover all the things that I'm not seeing, right?
1: Well, that's the thing. Women who are saying that, I congratulate you because you're waking up to the truth. Because most people, men and women, don't think they need anything. It's right. like, no, I'll, I'll keep stumbling through making mistakes till i get it right. If you're trying to start a business, that can be a problem. And when you want to have a relationship, it can be a problem too. You know, it's, it's good to get outside help so they can see behind you because you can't see behind yourself type thing. So you're right about that. Um, working with clients, my commitment to my clients is they commit to me. So we never start working together unless we have a conversation first before they commit to investing time and money with me, so first we're going to make sure we want to work together, and then when we work together. It's three to six months usually as a starting point because it isn't a quick fix. Unfortunately, I mean, I'd say yeah, I'll just fix you in two minutes, you'll be good. It's not that easy. <laughs> that easy Don't we usually. Wish, Don't we wish. <laughs> of course. I mean, I've had I've had some mind blowing, spirit blowing opening experiences over the years in seminars, but that took you know weeks to get to that point. It wasn't like I just was late the seminar and just had an immediate transformation. Um, I did a retreat once where we did that. It took actually five days to get to the point where that epiphany moment, but it didn't last that long. And it was a lot of work to get to that point. So it's not like instantly open and there you go.
0: That's right. You know, and so when I have the integration period, even after
1: absolutely you
0: have the aha moments, you have the breakthroughs of the shift, then it's okay. How do I now integrate these new teachings, these new ways of, of being beliefs, habits oh, yeah. long-term? And that's yeah, kind of, people forget about that aspect of
1: coaching a lot. Absolutely. And for me, I mean, I know I've been in definitely seminars and trainings where I've actually, there was, I know there was one seminar I took like every year as a tune up because I, I didn't realize I needed it so I look back and go, wow. You know, I did the seminar. It was great for about three months. And then I was back in old habits again. A year later I take it again. It's like, Oh, another level. Yes. And it wasn't like, I forgot what I learned. I wanted to really integrate it deeper and then lift to a higher level. So coaching, it really is a similar thing. It's, it's a whole, it's side by side working together So I'm not leading them as much as I'm guiding them towards where they want to go and then making sure they stay there stay they get what they really want.
0: So ladies, are you listening? If you need help, (laughs) if the same if the same person keeps reappearing or you're having, I even almost feel like the same pains over and over again, because yeah,
1: different face, same patterns.
0: Exactly. Like, definitely. I think that you need to get help. Um, You know, definitely check out berries information. um, Definitely look into his work because I I personally have seen people say it's as simple as just creating a list, right? Mm -hmm. That's like one of the most (laughs) rudimentary principles. I'm not saying the list can't work to help you find clarity. I think that's, I mean, even in my mindfulness and and manifestation techniques that I teach, you have to have somewhat of a list. You have to be able to get clear about whatever it is that you're trying to attract into your life. But this idea that having the list and just putting up the vision board or putting up the person is then going to somehow trans, you know, transplant you past all the pain that you, that you've created, you know, yep. the, the damage and the, you know, destruction that's happened in, the- <laughs> it's all of a sudden going to wipe itself out with a list and a vision board. I think that's where. A lot of, and I, and I can say this, I think a lot of the manifestation, attraction, kind of coaching and techniques and philosophies, that's where they're not as full until you work with someone who actually helps you kind of uncover a lot of the things that need to be cleared out before you actually begin manifesting, or you're going to manifest the same stuff.
1: Right. Absolutely. And one thing I'll speak to, um, you said, is the thing is the list thing. It's a great first step because the thing right. is most people don't do dating with clarity. So having a list, at least gives you some clarity. Because if you want to go anywhere in life, it's good to know where you want to go. You know, it's it's hard to drive if you don't give your GPS instructions where you want to go. So you might as well make sure that you give it clear instructions, which is a list. So starting with a list is a great place to begin, but it's not the only thing. So you're very correct. Yeah,
0: right. And then when you're wondering, well, oh my gosh, like the person's not showing up, right? you know and that's what happens I know for my clients and something is is going on and whatever they're trying to manifest be it you know a new relationship or a better relationship with themselves or whatever it is their goal um breaking through I feel like the good girl syndrome which is I help clients do that a lot oh yeah when it's not showing up that means there's some level of resistance or something that's still inside of us that doesn't even believe in that list that even though we've gotten clear on so I just I just think that it's so especially in this realm of partnership and romantic relationships when you have two people that are involved your stuff is going to show up the mirror is going to come out (laughs) in that other oh yeah yep so if the items on your list are not happening or manifesting or you need some assistance that's that's all like i hope the people that are listening to this this show understand that it's all in love and it's all in light but when we are able to heal ourselves and then heal our relationships, we ultimately make the world better for not only ourselves, but everyone around us, the children, the people that are coming after us, because we have some deep rooted, um, I think paradigms and beliefs that I think, as you mentioned with the divine feminine and masculine mm-hmm. being almost, dare I say like, I don't want to say redefined, but, but being defined more fully and being explained in this current, um, this current time frame, like where we are right now in our relationships, is so helpful. It's so incredibly helpful in, in getting kind of out of the past.
1: Yeah, we are evolving and we need to catch up with where we're going.
0: That's so true. So thank yeah. you so much, Barry, for coming on to the show. And for those of you that are listening and want to get in touch with him, all the information is gonna be in the show notes. But um, thank you, thank you so much for coming on today.
1: My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's such a joy to connect and talk. So thank you for inviting me.
0: So thank you again for listening to the Mind Soulful show and we will see you next week. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you loved what you heard, please leave a review on iTunes and subscribe. I'd love to continue the Mind Soulful flow please connect with me at my website at brooksitney.com or everywhere around the web, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the brooksitney. And for my lady listeners who need a little self-love and self-care time, as well as luxury, pampering, and yoga and meditation, I invite you to join me at the Mind Soulful Self-Love Yoga and Meditation Retreat, which will be held in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, on October 11th through the 14th, 2019. Visit brooksydney.com for more information. And of course, for those of you who know you want more inner and outer abundance, apply to work with me. That information is available on my website. Until the next episode, cheers to loving yourself more and the life you are presently living.